Welcome back, everybody, to Top Shelf, a guide to high-quality leadership, spirits, and everything in between. Okay, we are back. Back, baby. Back. It's Monday. Night. Yeah, it is Monday. <laughs> Monday night. Quint's yes. drinking again. Every Monday night. Every Monday night he's drinking. He's in transition right now, so mm. he's living every moment of his life. He's reborn anew. Yes. Robert Clinton Latain. Robert. Yeah. Arcan. Yeah. Arcan. Clinton Latain. Yes. Yeah. He's fresh. Fresh. He's wearing stripes today. Slimming. Stripes are slimming. Oh, thank you. Slimming yeah, on. Yeah. 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 I've been uh, intermittent fasting, is what it's intermittent called. Intermittent fasting. Intermittent. That's a does, strange word. Does that make you smarter? No, 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 I didn't think no, so. No, no, no. but like decent mental clarity, I, I, I think like when you're eating healthier, you, you seem a bit clearer. But no, nah, I don't. The medication gets me screwed up anyway. So, <laughs> yeah, I know what you're eating. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, eating the good stuff. <laughs> yeah, the, prime, uh, prime rib. Yes, yeah. Yeah, second harvest. Um, <laughs> so we uh, got a full episode for you guys. Um, we're going to lead with uh, conflict resolution part of our leadership uh, guides and we are also going to have coffee breaks or lunch breaks uh, are they dead we, are we still doing them you know what are the benefits to having them and you know maybe some of the negatives to having them or taking them as we uh, kind of navigate the work life balance at home and what you know people may think about you know taking elongated breaks or lots of breaks and then our cocktail this is the original top shelf south side hawaiian and it is pink in respect for our uh, valentine's day that's just around the corner I think and we're going to get a, we're going to get another episode in before Valentine's Day, but I it, I mean February just feels like it's Valentine's month. It's a pink month, so yeah, pink, it's a pink month, yeah. and it is leap year. So mm. thank goodness for the leap year, I am able to get off the wagon for Super Bowl. So it actually helped me this year that we had an extra year of working for free, but I get to drink on Super Bowl. Very nice. Oh. Yeah. That's it's been awesome. years. Yeah. I don't know. I don't, yeah. It's been years. All right. So I have a juicy <laughs> current event. Uh, it was on the news in January, January 5th. And um, I wanted to hit on it from the leadership's perspective. Um, and we're not conspiracy theorists. I'm leading off with this. I'm just going to give you some facts. So Miami Mall incident uh, in January, beginning of January, there was a Miami Mall incident, uh, 100 police cars, 200 or so officers were sent to a mall for a teen incident. Okay, so, so 100 police cars, okay, uh, sent to this to this mall. A, te- so a teen incident? Like, teen, uh, a, like a, a, a fight or a brawl. Okay, teen, yeah. a teen fight. Like, teen yeah. fight, teen okay. fight. Yeah. Uh, the airport was closed. Two Black Hawk military choppers uh, were dispatched into the area. Blackhawk, so yeah, military, like military grade, full, not your full, standard, yeah. wow, okay. Full okay. military grade um, helicopters were sent in. So kind of interesting. Um, seems like a very heavy police force for a teen fight. A little bit more information, zero people treated in hospital. Interesting. Uh, four teens were arrested. 
Hmm. You know, uh, so if I did the ratio of police men to actual physical arrests, so it's 200 police officers for arrests, it seems a little bit interesting. And for me, as a leader, you know, if you're the mayor or you're the, the, the voice of the police force, there was, there was discussions that there were aliens at this location. There was some 10-foot-tall gray beings. There's some grainy video footage. There's a lot of people panicking. But what it occurred to me when I was listening and hearing all of these things is there was no really, nobody really taking a good handle or a lead in what really happened. And are you protecting the public if it was something outworldly? Or are you protecting the public because it, there was nothing going on that evening and so you had uh, it, you used this incident of you know 20 or so teens in a brawl there was no guns or there's knives or anything this is a brawl did you use this event because it was a slow night to uh, do some practice yeah but at what cost right like how much does it cost to to deploy even one police car to an incident let alone a hot there's a hundred cars you said yeah hundred so let, okay we'll we'll give them the benefit of the doubt let's say half of the cars only had one police officer and the other half had two so you got 150 salaried uniformed people going to one incident they send less police officers to mass shooting yeah. So, so there was a teenage fight at a mall in Miami, and they send, and then all of a sudden, I mean, if there's military involved, there's some sort of national defense mechanism strategy. that was yes, triggered, strategy. right? Yeah. Obviously, like how all of a sudden, so it wasn't just a fight. There was something that must have been reported that put them on an alert system, but that they thought the national defense was compromised. Compromised or threatened, yeah. So whether that was, like you said, aliens, UFOs, or it was... Uh, Maybe a bigger group of people that we uh, were not aware of, or some form of a gang something. Maybe. But, Maybe. Yeah. But, you know, for the police to say, and people that go, hey, we saw um, aliens or extraterrestrials, and, and the police to shrug it off and say, you know, respond with LOL. You know, it doesn't show much leadership to me. I would have, I, as a leader, you want to be out front of it. You want to be as transpa- transparent as you can with the information you have. Right? Is that the Miami Police Department? They, yeah, the yeah, Miami, they, Miami. social media. Yeah. 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 So if you're not capable of taking it serious, and I don't think the Miami Police Department should use those terms, LOL, or like, you, you should no. be above that. Like, Absolutely. That, that's a you know a childish response it should have been hey you know what we're looking into it we yeah it's an active investigation yeah we'll let you know if anything comes up yeah we just keep it open-ended yeah we thought that there was a bigger threat to the people at the mall and we wanted to you know make sure everyone was safe and and kind of pull that teen group you know into an area so we can cordon them off and then and then arrest them but to only arrest four it's that's incredible to me my question is you know, broadly, where's the footage? And not just um, the footage from the hundreds of kids that, or the 20 or 30 kids that were there in their cell phones, because they're all using their cell phones. Somebody's recording. Oh, I pictures. Where's yeah. the footage? And every single police officer in Miami should le- have body cams. Should have body cams. Or the them. car cams. And those, and the car cams and the body cams generally gets released to the public. So if none of that's been released, there's, they're hiding something there, for sure. Well, and to fly an Apache, two Apache Blackhawk helicopters at the height of um, the towers 
and yes. have video clear video footage of that it seems it seems incredible to me that that those things are flying around at night uh, they're not gonna be they're not looking for you know 20 year old kid that got into a fight they're re- really not is this the is this the asteroid hitting the earth theory you know like we're something pretty spectacular happened and they don't want to freak people out so they're not going to say anything because it's going to cause mass hysteria um well, but, but from a leadership perspective that's that's circle it back yeah and we're not we're we're not going to feed into it but from a leadership perspective you want to be out front of it and you want to treat this with respect to the people in the community and in region and in the world with proper responses, uh, articulate responses. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And you want to do it in a professional manner. I I in no way would condone, you know, short-term phrases of LOL or I can't talk about it or we're, we have a gag order in place. As soon as you start saying that, I can't talk about it or I have a gag order, something more is there, right? And For sure. Um, as that front leader of the Miami police or the mayor of Miami or maybe even the president yeah, the of the United States with that attorney, many yeah. Yeah, that many yeah. police uh, men and, and enforcement and now and military dispatched probably want to just calm everybody down so, if, yeah so it, the amount of money that that costs so I think you told me that it's about three to five thousand per hour for an Apache helicopter. Well, so just a, that's a regular police a helicopter. Regular like military is probably ten. Grand. Let's let's think that this whole call out costs the ta- the taxpayers of Miami two hundred fifty thousand dollars. <laughs> yeah, it's probably a million. So, but yeah. so let's say okay, let's say a million. So I, I think that the taxpayers have a, the right to know what was going on. Like where did their money go in that specific incident? That that deemed so many police officers and so much attention and U.S. military to be involved, but we're getting no answers except for LOLs. I mean, I think, I, I agree with you. I think it's it's horseshit, to be honest. Yeah, so, and, uh, you know, it just you, you just, if you're not willing or capable of providing maybe the, the, the proof or the detailed knowledge, you can provide some level of professionalism and uh, a, a report to calm everybody down. And if you did that up front, you, yeah. you'd reduce the amount of like uh, just f- pages full of aliens and and TikTok videos of all this stuff. If you, if you t- handled it in a professional manner, you would have quelled the storm. For sure. Get in front of it. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I think there's a good lesson there for all leaders, right? Yeah. You want to get in front of it and, and yeah, I, I don't take, I wouldn't take things as a joke, right? Yeah. So, all right. We are going to put, put a pin, pin in it. Put a that. pin in that. Pop in it. Yes. Um, balloon. Okay. So, a conflict resolution in leadership. This can be an extremely difficult um, discussion as a leader. So I have basically three tools um, for, for, for leaders. You have the uh, shield, the pen, and the voice. The shield being your protective shield when you have conflict. Generally speaking, most leaders, most people put up a shield to protect themselves. Okay, so that's the shield. And I'll, I'll dig into a little bit more on that. Then we have the pen, which is the is physically the pen or email or you know your keyboard to write things up and responses up and then we have the voice and that's where we engage with people and that's where we find resolution and come together 
right? So those are my three tools, three steps to um, conflict resolution. Do you have a just a quick example of you utilizing that in the workplace? Yeah, right. I do. And if not, no worries. I just put you on the spot here. <laughs> no, no, I do. Yeah. And um, I actually, I'll use it most recently with a client. And uh, so we were um, we were subcontracted to do some work. My company uh, through another company, ultimately to a general contracting firm, and we were doing some work out in the field. And there was some safety infractions that took mm-hmm. place. So these safety infractions uh, were um, reported. I'll say they were reported, Great. and we, we as were, they should and be, and yeah. as they should be, and documented and, and addressed. And there were um, all the steps in place to protect the uh, employees and the, the the people out working. And what we found out that the general contracting firm wanted more details and was was pushing for more, but there was really no more to give. Gotcha. And in order to diffuse the situation, I needed to use the pen. And that is the email, that is the the physical pen to report and respond in detail to calm the situation down. For sure. We put everything into it, a very lengthy report, a very lengthy detail Mm -hmm. with all contact information and time and location. So we went above and beyond to ensure that that leader was comfortable Mm -hmm. with the safety incident and it was addressed in an appropriate and professional manner. So we took that, we took extra time, like we're talking at least another day or two of full investigation, full reporting, with all the team in, involved mm-hmm. to be able to provide a, a further detail to, to ensure that, that that leader that was looking for the information received it. Great. We yeah. could have said, you know, we gave you the report, which was detailed enough yeah. and, and walked away from it, but that would have created more animosity. And more conflict. And more yeah. conflict, Absolutely. right? Yes. So we would be encouraging conflict yes. as opposed to putting it, basically putting it to rest and calming that individual's and that individual's team or leader, executive leadership's team down based on the incident that was reported. I think it's a good example because um, conflict resolution, whether it's at a leadership level or it's within your team, it's going to require effort. And sometimes it mm-hmm. does require compromise or, or one party going above and beyond a little bit of an extra mile to ensure that the conflict does come to a, a resolution that both parties are comfortable with and, and it's a great example so yeah so we yeah i mean at first glance i would say because we you know we are in the business of making money and spending more time and more hours for something that we're not really you're not being paid for because of just an incident mm-hmm. um we had to make a decision you know are, are we doing it for, for the benefit of the client um, or we, you know, it's just a learning lesson. And to be honest, in most incidents, or in yeah, most of the time, customers always right. So we want to make sure we re- resolve the conflict because we want to maintain our working status with every customer, every client. And back to one of our old episodes, we don't want to burn bridges, right? So we be- we rose up, became even more professional 
and provided even more detail. Yeah, you get down to brass tacks. You're not the only player in the sandbox. There's other companies that are doing the same job as you. And if everyone just meets the customer's baseline expectation for health and safety or quality, then you don't stand out. And they're bidding against other companies that may be going above and beyond and outperforming your company in those aspects. So for me, I always think that whether you're an employee with the the primary contractor or you're a subcontractor, go above and beyond because that's your livelihood. That's, That's you creating a resume and position yourself for future growth and future work with that organization. And I think it's always going to be in your benefit. Yeah. And there's there's the three thoughts there initially when that individual was pressing for more and more and more we met the we met the initial needs we followed through with everything we had to do by contract okay by contract so when the initial request came in for more and more and more and more that shield went up so i put up that shield like no you know what do i do i really want so it t- took a few, uh, took some time to kind of reassess. For sure. So yeah. you initially put that shield up to protect yourself and say, hey, no, we did what we were supposed to do. You take a moment, you reflect a bit on it. Then we start looking, okay, what are my options? And the options, this particular group or this particular individual we, we've worked with for a bit, we know and understand how they, um, their language. And their yeah. language is typing. Their language is a response by email and written. Yes, yes. Right? Yeah. Versus a phone call. Some people, uh, we could just make a phone call and we can we can connect with them at that at that personal level. This individual is not, uh, and we knew this, this individual was a um, response. Uh, this was a CYA too. So a lot of the time, if you don't take good notes and you have a phone call and you don't write down the notes and then you transcribe and then submit the notes back asking for a response that yes, you've received them and they are accurate, it's just... Your word, word versus their word. So this individual was a very detailed report, and he appreciated it. And we we moved past and we moved on, and we yeah, continued the job. You made a good point because sometimes it's not about meeting the needs of the client, but it's it's meeting the needs of the individual representing the client, and mm-hmm. that could, those two things can be different. They're and way so different. You, yeah. It's almost like you have to custom tailor it to the situation based off of who the director or the project manager or the or the, the general manager is for that specific job. So that's a really good point. Yeah, yeah he was uh, <laughs> a little bit socially awkward. So you have those those people in leadership um, positions where they're a little bit socially awkward. So, you know, uh, have taken going for a coffee or a beer and or a phone call. They're really not comfortable in that, that position. Yeah, that right? it, it's literally... A full report so he can read through it so he can file it and then if it com- and then comes up he's go i can he sh- he can show it i i did he, you know i did my job yes yeah right so yeah. um a little bit more of a junior well i would say junior but it, that middle age leader in the mid 30s so he's just finding his way through um that leadership cycle for sure yeah doing everything by the book and not really understanding like how to i guess i'll put this loosely but play the game yet getting there so. yeah and for him he was he's striving to understand i'm striving to understand why he needs what you know the the further detail because it is uh it was a it's daunting and it, you know it's basically a net negative for for my roi on it and but long term i mean we're thinking long term for at, sure as as a firm so yeah yeah. No, great. That's a great example. And uh, yeah, I put you on the spot and look what you came up with. No. <laughs> Incredible. Uh, 
I've been through it a lot, and this one was fairly recent, right? Just to get through the to that finish line, project uh, took uh, six months, and it should have taken three. So yeah, a, lo- a lot of uh, um, tough. That's tough. Yeah, a lot of peaks and valleys in that job, but we got it done. And we're uh, and the client was happy with the product, and we we saw it to through to uh, finish. Can I give an example of conflict resolution when dealing with your uh, direct reports? Oh, you can do that. I yeah. thought you were going to hit me up with Union. Uh, well, well, yeah, that's because a whole other you layer. you yeah. kind of layered that in because you did manage a, a full load of Union employees too, and, and that adds a different level for everybody out there. It's not cut and dry. No, it's not. No, um, so that wasn't going to be my example, but no, you're right. It's not cut and dry. You're dealing with a third party. When there's any type of conflict at all, chances are you know they they have a right to have that third party rep, you know represent them and be be in a position where they're taking notes on their behalf the and stewards, giving yeah. Them, yeah and giving them counsel right yep. so no but my my example is is pretty basic if you're a leader and you have conflict resolution with uh, let's say you manage two different departments and one person from one department doesn't get along with another person from another department it happens all the time yep I manage technicians they used to always get mad at the dispatchers the dispatchers would be mad at the technicians the technicians would be mad at the warehouse tech because the warehouse guy didn't have the right equipment for him so what I would always do is whenever I had one of my employees come up to me and say hey Susan from dispatch she just doesn't get what I'm doing out here she's always on top of me blah 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 right and I'd say okay well when's the last time you did dispatch well I've never done dispatch okay well I'm gonna send you down for a couple days and you're gonna sit with Susan specifically and you're gonna watch her do dispatch you're gonna job shot her the benefit of that I mean, I probably did it half a dozen times, every single time. And I made sure they took notes and they wrote down like what was beneficial and what did they learn and blah, blah, blah. Not only did they have a better respect for that individual and, you know, living a day in their shoes, they built friendships with them. They, their, their entire job experience got way better, was way more fulfilling because they had somebody that was on a different team that had their back and that, and that they knew on a personal level. So, so my, my challenge to the leaders out there, if you ever come into this type of conflict and you're looking for a resolution, have them live in each other's shoes for a day or two or a week if you can afford to do so. Yeah, the, the company can afford it. Yeah, Tons the company can afford it. Absolutely. And you know what else I just noticed? Yes. When when you start to talk about something that you're passionate about, mm-hmm. your volume goes from like a five to like a seven or eight. But the, because that's I really the authentic, get my point across. That's the authentic you. Yes. And uh, I know you're very passionate about people. So yeah. uh, just the trigger right there was you you related your story from from the past. Yeah. And it's important to you. So. And so for you, you raise <laughs> yes, the level yes. of your voice yes. based on your passion. So, my passion, my yeah. excitement. So yeah. peop- I'm just Gets letting everyone going. know that if you notice that the volume, it wasn't him turning up the gain or the volume on his microphone. It was <laughs> the passion inside him passionate person. about providing uh, a conflict resolution and a path to help leaders. You know, and, and the reason why I'm so passionate is because I, I used it and it worked. And it worked time and time again. Love it. I've given that advice multiple times. I've actually had people come back to me and say, thank you for that. It worked like a charm. So that's the only reason why I'm, I'm passionate about it because I know it works. It's like yeah. selling a product you know is good. It works. So. Yeah. No, no, absolutely. So, you know, out there, you know, if you're complaining about, you know, Justin Trudeau, maybe take a couple days in his shoes and find out what it's really <laughs> like. Good. That's good. I like that. <laughs> All right. 
so we're going to jump. We're going to bounce. We're going to move to coffee breaks, lunch breaks, and smoke breaks. Yeah, smoke are they, breaks. Are they dead? But so, no, no, no. Vape uh, breaks. Va- <laughs> People are vaping more than they're smoking. Vaping. I don't know. That's kind of gross, too. So... I wanted to talk about it from a leadership perspective, and a lot of people work from home, so we have a nice split now, people working from home. Mm-hmm. You know, people book meetings through lunch breaks, and you have different time zones. Here's what makes things even more difficult. So if you work for a company that's in BC, and they're across Canada, you have all those three different time zones, and everyone's lunch hours are different, but... A lunch hour in BC is three o'clock in Toronto, yeah. and that could be the center of the universe. So meetings get booked because there isn't a lot of respect for you know your time in the BC because they want to get their day done. It's three o'clock. I'm going to book a meeting. Well, it's yeah. twelve o'clock BC. It doesn't matter. Well, especially if a large portion of the business or your like, let's say your head office is in Toronto and you have a small satellite location in Vancouver yes yeah. majority of the business is going to be done off hours in Toronto I mean, yes and yeah. so you're going to either a skip lunch mm-hmm. B you, you'll be um, nourish at your desk yes. so you'll have your food at your desk and I'll give you some cons and some health issues that, that with that and then you're also going to miss out on a few things uh, that if you do take those breaks and other people work through, are there now p- people pointing fingers? Hey, they taking breaks, but I'm not taking breaks. I'm working through it. How do you get your time back? For sure. As individuals. And how, you know, are what are your legal requirements for breaks? Yeah, there's labor laws in place for breaks. And if you're in a union, it's written to your collective yeah, agreement. Yeah, you literally will take those I, I actually worked with people that pretended to smoke so that they could go up for smoke breaks <laughs> with all the smokers. I'm not even joking. It was just, especially in the in the food industry, I used to be a work as a cook and I was a busser and a and a bartender. Just needed a break. And, and they'd be like, "Yeah, I'm going for a smoke," and I'm like, "You don't smoke." I'm like, "Yeah, I do," and they just go out just to have a break. You know, go out for a fresh air. Uh, fresh air break. Fresh air break. But yeah. there's nothing wrong with that either. If if you're there allotted. You know, fifteen-minute break for coffee or twenty-minute break for coffee. Then, you know, that, I guess that's their break. That's their time, their allotment. You know, there's fifteen to twenty minutes for your coffee breaks, and then you got thirty to an hour, depending on the company, for your lunch breaks. But there, there's people that take full advantage of that and go hour and a half, two hours. If you're not managing it as a leader, and you're letting it get away on you. I know this from another previous role where in the morning, the, crew, the, the team would go for breakfast and they mm-hmm. would go for breakfast for two and a half hours. So <laughs> that's on the company. So they were prepared for work and then go have a two and a half hour breakfast. And where were they? All the, tr- all the vehicles are in one location. It doesn't look good either when you have you know, no, 10, you get 10 vehicles with from, company logos yeah. in a parking lot. And, and guys, we have to put in the work. And so, you know, what what kind of safety meetings are we having every day, right? So leaders really need to take charge of it. If if we want our people to take those breaks, we need to make sure we, we know, you know, it, 
you don't have to say you have to take lunch at 12 to 1 or 12 to 12.30, but you should be taking that time for mental break, for a walk, for a stand-up from a, if you're sitting all day, to grab some food, yeah. grab some water, always have some water. You should be encouraging breaks. You should be encouraging your employees to take their vacation. I mean, it's for mental health reasons and for physical health reasons because you're right. When you're taking a break, don't just sit at your desk and eat. Go eat real eat however you're going to eat, but go for a walk. Go outside and get and get outdoors and and maybe what I used to do. I remember we worked downtown at the tower. There is I would walk the stairs in the the fire exit. Yeah. I would go up and down. Work a sweat. Get, yeah, work, work sweat. up a sweat. Get get some exercise in during the day while I'm working. But it was my break time, right? I found actually what's happened is a lot of organizations, especially through COVID, they've implemented systems, especially with customer service role type roles, yeah. where they you have to. It's like a punch card. You got to log in and log out of your computer. Otherwise, if you don't touch your mouse a certain amount of times, it'll time out and it clocks you out. And then you own, so they're basically micromanaging Big Brother style on how many minutes you're taking off per day. So the smokers are screwed. Yeah, People that work from home are yeah, kind of screwed, right? Unless you know, they've actually invented things that make your mouse move by itself. <laughs> so, <laughs> See, to cheat the system. So, yeah. but you know, I mentioned eating at your desk too. I mean, there's a health risk with that, and that's food bacteria that goes on your from your fingers to your keyboard to your mouse yeah. to your microphone. You know, are you sanitizing after you eat? Are you leaving the dishes at your desk while you work? You know, what are you doing? There's also digestion issues. If you're just hunched over and you're just eating and working on your computer, are you eating the proper foods? There's too many downfalls to to eating at your desk than taking a break and going to sit down in a proper location having your desk. There's nothing yeah. that you're going to miss if you schedule your time properly. Absolutely. Right. That's right. Yeah. If, okay, so if you're fasting, so someone would say, "Well, I'm fasting, so I don't eat until six o'clock." That's your choice. However, you can still take a break to do some meditation, or to go for a walk, or stand up, do some stretching. Sitting at a desk for eight straight hours is I, not healthy. I think you nailed it. It's like it's like going for a doctor. I've had people say, "Well, I can't go for a doctor's appointment. I'm, I'm really busy with work this week." And it's like, "Well, no, you have to make you have to make that a priority." And your mental and physical health needs to be a priority. Now, if you cannot get enough like the amount of work done you need to get done in 7 hours of your 8-hour shift because the other hour is for lunch or whatever, then you're overloaded. And potentially your your business unit or the team that you work on requires another body because you're taking on too much. You're taking on too much. Yeah. If you're working at 120%, that's too much. You should be working at 100%. And and there, I know that obviously there's going to be variances, 10% here, 10% there. Sure. We all work 50, 60 hours a week when we're working full time, but you need to take breaks. Now, if I was working 50 hours a week and I'm not taking any breaks, I mean, you're burning the candle at both ends. That, that is a huge issue. Mentally, physically, it's just not good. So the people that say that to me, I always challenge them and say, no. You are working too much. You're taking on too much. You need to work with your manager or your leader, and you need to come up with a plan to get support and to be able to delegate things or work on your time management because maybe that's the issue, or hire another person in your team to help absorb some of that extra work that you're taking on. Yeah, because ding, ding, after a year or two of that, you hit burnout, and now the company's really in a hole, right? Absolutely, so yeah. now they're hiring people, and you're taking stress leave or leave, and that's a real thing now, mental stress 
in the workplace is a real thing. It might have been, you know, poo-pooed upon in the 80s and maybe early 90s, but it's we now have acknowledged that that is a serious thing. Working from a desk is just as hard as, you know, swinging a hammer. Absolutely. Um, I've, done, I've done them both many times over, and I find it just as hard, sometimes even harder, to be honest. Because it's a mental drain. You, you're, you're, if your mind can't keep working through it, it all shuts down from there, right? So... Okay. Put it in it. Put it in oh, I wanted to mention one more thing about lunch breaks. Oh, my God. As a really? leader. One more as thing. A, no, one more thing. One more thing. Just, <laughs> Just bear, bear with me. If you're a leader, okay, and you're with your team, and you invite an individual to lunch with you, do so privately or invite the entire group. You don't want to segregate left leaves those the folks out, especially if everyone's together and you're like, hey, Sam or Smitty, you want to go uh, have Smitty. Some, <laughs> that's a cool name. <laughs> you want to go and uh, have some lunch with me? You may ostracize the other the team members. For right? sure. Why, why didn't you ask Sarah and Jessica if they wanted to go with us? Right. Absolutely. So you want to you want to pull them aside and say, hey, I'm just going to pop over for lunch. Are you interested? Or you really know your team, and so you know you're going to for Thai food, and Thai food has peanuts in it, and, and Sam's allergic to it, but you can take Smitty. So I had a, one of my mentors. Oh, see, and, now you want to add more. Well, no, but I'm adding, I'm, I'm adding on to yours. Is one of my mentors in the past said, as a leader, just remember, your team is always watching you. Yeah. So it's like, even if it's like, I always go outside and have a cigarette with Sam because Sam smokes and I smoke too. They're going to think like, wow, they have a really good relationship. So you need to know that they're watching you. They know what you're doing. They know every time you go out for a smoke. They know when you go for lunch with Jason. They're always watching. So you need to either be transparent and spread that love around or just inclusive. don't do it. Yeah. Or inclusive. Yeah, spread yeah. it around and be inclusive. Everyone wants to come have lunch with the boss. Everyone wants to, you know, usurp the boss. They should, I mean, most of them want to take the next step or take that role. So, yeah. All right, so I am going to get up, get off the microphone. Unfortunately, Clint's going to walk you through Thank this. Good. Thank goodness. No, no, that's my line. You can't use my lines against me. Okay, these okay. are yeah. The, we got the, the cocktail okay. du jour. You guys already know what it is. He's excited again, so he's at a ten. It, I bought. Yeah. So things I'm passionate about: people and cocktails. Top shelf, Southside Hawaiian. This is because so Jason invented this cocktail, and knowing Jason, he tried it before he actually uh, invented it minus the alcohol because of course he's he's on a um, what's it called Jason you're on a, on a 42 day cleanse cleanse yeah I was gonna say sobriety but that's that's if you have like issues with alcohol so he's on a cleanse this cocktail the Southside Hawaiian has two ounces of pink lemonade one ounce of guava which is actually like what we have here is the fresh freshly squeezed guava juice None of that uh, concentrate crap. You got a half ounce of grenadine, one and a half ounce of vodka for myself and for Jason. There is no replacement, it's just without vodka. You're gonna float some soda water on top. This is a layered cocktail, so it's not mixed, it's not shaken, it's just made in layers, very beautiful. And then you got a grapefruit wedge garnache. So, and I love grapefruit. I mean, who doesn't like grapefruit, right? Grapefruit's good. <laughs> grapefruit. Unless you have that I have uh, a glass of grapefruit juice every day. At least, I don't know, maybe it's like a six-ounce glass. Nothing too major, but lots of vitamins. 
Jason's just layering up the cocktails as we speak here. Oh, here he is. Where did you get that pink lemonade from? From the fridge. <laughs> I meant like what store? <laughs> I got it from upstairs. It's, it's, it's an upstairs pink lemonade. Okay, and we need to get, definitely need to get a picture of this. It looks absolutely incredible. Look at the layering. Yeah, layer looks fantastic. It's more because you get volume in that one. But pink, red, hearts, February, Valentine's Day, Cupid. I mean, it's giving me all the vibes right now. He He's very slow at making it, like, meticulous. Because it's layered, he wants to make sure there's the contrast between each layer. So, unfortunately, that means you do need to take your time in making the cocktail. This one goes from a dark red on the bottom, medium red, to a pink, and to like a light pink, and then almost a clear because of the soda water. Absolutely delicious. Maybe the best looking cocktail he's made to date, because we all know that I'm the king at making cocktails. He's more of the, j the Jack, or the Joker, the Jesper. Part of it. Okay, we're ready to taste. Can you back on the mic? Bear with me here. Okay. Cheers. Yeah, unleaded. don't mix them up. Unleaded. Oh. All right, unleaded, fully leaded. Okay, this has got to be better than the last one that I had. <laughs> and Clint hey, fought me through. I tried, I tried my best to hook you up, bro. <laughs> yeah, you sure did. Okay. <laughs> we could probably have a sip, and then it should release itself. Here we go. Tastes like soda water. Mm. How do I how do I get the stuff on the bottom to come up? Oh, you got to you got to dunk the like a dunkaroo. Dunkaroo, dunkaroo. It is delicious, actually. That the guava in there is nice because the pink grapefruit is and the even the pink lemonade is a bit tart. That guava just like nice little sweetness in there. Might taste like a. A liquid Jolly Rancher. Mm. Mm. Not too sweet because it's soda water. I it's like good. this a lot, actually. You know, sometimes I'll say I like it, but it's, I'm like at eighty no, percent. No. This one, I like it ninety percent. Like, it's, it's like good. a if if we had the martini glass thing, I, this would be like a six and a half martini glasses for the mocktail. So I, I would give this a a seven and a half for the full 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 leaded fully leaded. Very refreshing. Mm. This would go nice with some pork rinds and mm, pork rinds and some French onion dip. Mm, French onion dip. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I actually, you know, I could see this going really well with like a ceviche. I can't wait to have that with vodka. <laughs> oh my god! You want to try some? No, I, <laughs> I'm almost there, everybody. Uh, like it, like I mentioned, Clint. The leap year helped me this year. So oh. the leap year allowed me or allows me to have a cocktail on uh, Super Bowl. So incredible. Super Which Bowl next Sunday. Super Bowl for um, me is like Christmas. Go Niners! It's the Bang Bang Niner game. Yeah. And 
I'm not going to say too much about the Super Bowl um, or the Kansas City Swifts, but it's interesting, and there's got to be some leadership moments around this particular Super Bowl with this amount of um, Hollywood uh, fireworks, I would say. So ultimately, I'm hoping it's a good game and um, hoping that the right team wins and both teams wearing red. Weird. All right, this is Jason Krause signing off um, across from my uh, good friend and confidant. Confidant. Robert Clemson. Lucky Latane. Lucky Latane. So season three, episode nine. Thanks, everyone. We love you. We're looking forward to episode 10. And we'll see you on the flip side. Boom.